Hey, today, we are beginning something new that is going to actually be taking us through the entire year of 2023. I am very excited about this, shared this idea with some leaders a few months ago, and they were like, oh, amen, let's do this, pastor, let's do it. In 2023, okay, just kind of get your seatbelts on, get ready, it's so different and cool. We are not going to be doing our normal rhythm where we will do, a, you know, kind of a bunch of like shorter uh, message series uh, through the year. We are doing one series that's going to take us through the entirety of 2023. And it's following along with our 260 Bible reading right through the New Testament. So this year, we are going to embark on this journey together of going through the entire New Testament. And you're up here going like, okay, doesn't the New Testament start with Matthew? Not in our 260 reading plan. It starts with Luke. And those of you who were here last week and maybe you started with the 260 journal, that's something that you already understand. Today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 3 to kick off. But I am pumped about this. Now, if you do not know somehow about the 260 reading plan and our 260 journals, I think we got another slide up here that's going to give you some information about that. We last year began reading through the New Testament every year as a church family. And to amplify that this year, we created the 260 journals. They're going to be available in the lobby right after service. And listen, this is not to make money. This is like, I mean, I think we're getting like about a buck like per journal. Uh, we're, you know, just, we're just getting them out basically at cost. Um, to get a resource into your hands that will help to really supercharge your Bible reading. The goal is not just to like read, 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 check off little boxes, okay, yay, I accomplished the goal. The goal is life transformation. And we are committed to the idea that people who are growing in Jesus are people who are consistently also growing in his word, right? It's like, if you had somebody you really loved and they were like, they wrote you this amazing letter like that's gonna help to like let you know who they are and who you are and like what your relationship is all about and how to, how to live together like in this amazing relationship and you're like, well, I really love that person but I'm just gonna like stick their letter like in a drawer and never pull it out. Come on now. Wouldn't even make sense. Not even logical. So why is people who are saying, hey, we want to we grow as followers of Jesus. We want our lives to look more like his. Why would we take his letter to us and like stick it on the shelf? As growing followers of Jesus, we need to be people who are developing the habits of consistent and meaningful engagement with his word. And that's what the 260 plan is all about, 260 reading plan. You can find out more about it right there on this website. Uh, just go to our, our, if you just go to our church website, sm4.org, you're gonna see 260 right on the main page and it'll take you to some resources and uh, where you can, uh, and, and if you're online, you can just go there and that will also give you a link to where you can get this on Amazon. And uh, man, I'm pumped about it. I'm excited about it. And guess what? 
I talked to Pastor Joel for quite a while um, last evening. He and his family are missionaries in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. And of course, this resource, the 260 Journal, we did it both in English and Spanish. And we did that in collaboration with them. And uh, so amazing. They are launching this also in uh, Playa del Carmen at Casa de Fe. And, uh, but that, that's not, that, that's cool. And some of you already knew that. But maybe what you didn't know is that on this last Friday, they did a King's Day outreach to their neighborhood. And it was just amazing. Um, we shared some of the, their, uh, an Instagram story, if you, if you follow those kind of things, that showed just like this mass of people. Joel said that over 100 people didn't come to the event. I mean, they had way more than that. They had over 100 people that gave their lives to Jesus on Friday. <laughs> on the streets of Playa del Carmen. And I'm telling you, if you are someone like Kelly and I are, who every month we contribute to the ministry of the Adiola family who are, our mission, who are our missionaries from our church who are doing an amazing work there, you know what? The, the fruit of what is happening in Playa del Carmen and beyond in southern Mexico, you have claim to that. Well, I give to that. Yeah, the, the dollars that I am sowing into God's work in southern Mexico is bearing good fruit. Isn't that exciting? So, man, if you have not yet started, like, just out of just your monthly resource, kind of, like, contributing. It's being generous. Not just here in our church, but into southern Mexico. Man, today and this year would be a great day to start. And uh, out in our lobby... You may have seen, got this big wall with this beautiful family on it. That's the Adeola family. And you know that QR code thing? You can just walk up there and scan the QR code with your phone, and that will take you to a page that will explain kind of about their ministry, who they are, and how you can begin to contribute to that beautiful ministry. Man, isn't it good that, that not only are we a bilingual church, one church with two congregations in English and Spanish, they are too. Uh, ministering to a whole bunch of English speakers as well as, of course, a bunch of Spanish speakers in Playa del Carmen. So are you ready to get into Luke 3? Yes. So this past week in our 260 reading, we, uh, we read Luke 1 through 5. And we're not going to be trying to teach you everything through the entire New Testament um, this year. We're going to take one specific thing that stood out to me or whoever's bringing the word on that Sunday. Even when I'm not here, we're going to be following this all through the year, which I'm excited about. Because at Christmas time, we're going to be in Revelation. And I'm already thinking about, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing and so cool. So... Uh, what was I say? Oh, so we're not preaching through every like chapter or verse through, through the entire New Testament. We're taking one thing that stood out and said, God, help us go deeper into that one thing. So as you're reading, you may be saying, oh man, I'm hoping pastor preaches on this this Sunday because it's really good. It's speaking to me. And maybe, maybe I will. And maybe you'll get an invitation to uh, share with someone else what you are discovering. But we're going to be going through uh, some, something that John the Baptist spoke that I believe is, is a, an amazing thing. Luke chapter three is one of the, probably the most expansive areas in all of uh, the New Testament that talks about John the Baptist and his ministry. 
And I believe that he was challenging people to get back into the blessing that God had intended for them and teaching them how to do that. How many of you need the blessing of God on your life in 2023? Anybody like a candidate? Like, God, I, I want to walk in your blessing. Now, it may not sound like that's what he's saying, but I'm going to show you how I believe that he was calling people back to living in the blessing of God. Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 2, says, The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Let's pause there for a second. The word of God came. I love that. There's this like personalization to the word of God. How does the word of God come? Just read John chapter 1. It's okay, you can skip ahead in your 260 reading. The word of God is Jesus himself. The word of God came to John. One of the things that I noted, one of the insights I made, I'd never really seen this before, uh, this week in our 260 reading, the Holy Spirit's activity, the very spirit of God is mentioned over and over and over. I think it's like five or six, seven times just in the first five chapters of Luke. Luke is like, hey guys, you just need to understand, God is alive and he's active and he's working in our world. And in this instance, through the spirit, the word of God comes to this man, John. John, son of Zechariah, this is John the Baptist. We go on and read, he says, he went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. A few verses later, we go on, starting in verse 7. When the crowds came to John for baptism, because remember, he was preaching this baptism of repentance. Come, repent, receive the forgiveness that God has for you. So when the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, uh-oh, you brood of snakes. <laughs> uh, he's calling him out. Dang. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Hmm. Then he says this profound statement. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. I mean, it's like it says one-two punch. Like he sets them up. Who warned you? The life is changing. That God's judgment is gonna be like coming to your house. Who warned you about that? Well, it was a rhetorical question. It's like he wasn't really being mad at them, but he, he was trying to get, he was provoking them to understanding that like, hey, the only reason you're standing out here and there's these crowds of people like from all over coming to be baptized by John, it, like the crazy thing is, is like the Holy Spirit was drawing them. So he's asking this rhetorical question. It's like, you all know, you snakes. <laughs> Y'all know you need to repent and the Holy Spirit has been talking to you because judgment's coming. You can't play around with this stuff any longer. So that's the setup punch. And then boom, listen, 
You need to prove by the way you live that you are living in this transformed life. Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sin and have turned to God. Prove it. Another translation reads it this way, and I, I like both. Another translation reads, produce fruit. Everybody say produce fruit. Produce fruit. That's going to be a reoccurring theme of this morning's talk. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, you need to be bearing different kind of fruit. If you really have got repentance going on in your heart, if you've really turned to God, there needs to be like other fruit popping out on your life that like wasn't there before. You used to bear one kind of fruit, you old snakes, (laughs) right? But because of that, God's judgment was coming on your life. And now that you've repented, you've turned, you've changed, you've, you've turned towards God, He has something new for you, but you need to live into it. Prove by the way you live, by the fruit of your life, that you've actually turned to God. In other words, when we surrender our lives to God and receiving this new life based on forgiveness and his grace and his love, something should actually change in our life that other people can see. Because other people can see the kind of fruit that we're bearing in our lives. There should be new fruit that's an outcome of this inner transforming work that God is doing. And then I think very wisely, right after he says this, the crowd starts saying, hey, we need to know more about this. So in verse 10, we pick up and it says, the crowds asked, what should we do? In other words, they were asking a very good question. What what do you mean prove? What what, what is that proof going to look like? This new fruit that we're supposed to be producing. What is that going to look like in our stories? And John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized, right? And we're talking like snakes. These people were people who were extortionists and were were taking more than what the government required. They were getting rich off of other people. These tax collectors in that culture were not good people. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations. And by the way, be content with your pay. Oh my gosh. I believe a lot actually of what John's response was rooted in was that very last phrase, contentment. We'll come back to that. Listen, does John sound a little bit angry here, a little hostile? (laughs) Well, listen, he was this like, 
he was this rough and tumble prophet. I mean, this guy, like in the spirit of Elijah, man, that was like living out in the desert, calling people out on stuff. But it was, it was based on the spirit of God calling people out of their brokenness. There was a need to repent. People were living like this brood of snakes. So this call to repentance, and he wasn't monkeying around. He wasn't like trying to sugar, well, you know, you, you got your good people at heart, but you got some things you need to like work on. No, he's just calling it as it was. Guess things backwards in your lives. You've been bearing bad fruit. You need to start bearing new fruit, the fruit of repentance. But I don't really believe that he was doing this out of anger. I believe that he was literally calling them out of their sin so they could, once again, as God's people, live in the blessing that God had intended for them. He was calling them back to God so they could live in God's blessing. Now listen, you don't need to be like some fancy Bible scholar or gone to any, any like special Bible training to realize that when John answered everything that he told them to do, when they said, what should we do? Everything was related to money and resource. Isn't that kind of interesting? He could have said lots of stuff. Read the scriptures more. Go to the temple and pray. I mean, he could have said a lot of different things. But everything that he said in this context, when they said, "What? Well, okay, this proof you know, of, of my repentance, living in a new way, bearing new fruit, everything that he says as an example has to do with money and resource. I think that's fascinating. He says, if you have two shirts, give one to the bar. If you have food, give it to someone who doesn't have food. Don't collect more money than required or extort money from others. In other words, don't take what ain't yours. And then finally, be content. Be at rest. Be okay. Enjoy the pay that you are receiving. Or here's even really more simply to boil all that down that John said. It was kind of three things that he said. He says, share generously. Don't steal. Be content. The fruit of repentance. Proving that your life has changed. Share generously. Don't live with this clutched fist on the stuff that I have. This is mine. I earned this. If I don't take care of my stuff, nobody's going to take care of me, right? Protect what's mine. Jesus said, no, there's a different way to live. Transform life is always going to be marked by this open-handed sharing, generously giving. Don't steal. Don't take from the fruit of someone else. Why do people do that? Because they're not, what, content. Be content. See, that's why I think that really the first two kind of flow out of that last one because people who are content, they're satisfied. You know what they don't do? They, they don't steal from other people's contentedness 
and what the fruit that God's given them. No, they don't, they don't, they don't, they're not takers, they're givers. Because I am satisfied with what God has given me. In fact, when I have food, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna share it with someone else. If I got two shirts and someone needs it, you know what? Off it comes and help close somebody else. There's this transformation that comes. John is communicating here. Now listen to this. It is not enough to have a transformed heart. Oh man, I just feel so good. I used to be a snake and now I'm not a snake. Like I feel so good because God has forgiven my sin. Well, bless the Lord that you feel so special inside. And we should, right? I'm not, I'm not mocking that. We should feel that, that lightness of like, oh my gosh, this burdens I've been carrying, he lifted off of me. But there's more than that. It's not enough, he's saying, to have a transformed heart. You need to have a transformed life. The way that we live needs to be transformed. Listen, being a follower of Jesus is always going to have real, practical, like real world outcomes. And there is nothing more practical or real world than your wallet and mine. I know there's nothing more practical. And there should always be like practical, real world outcomes to this transformation that's happening inside of us. True repentance should create a new generous way of living that not only impacts my life, but impacts those around me. This, I believe, is central to living in the blessing that God intended. Why do I believe that? Because all the way back at the beginning of scripture, literally Genesis chapter one, God introduces a theme that I believe is is totally at the heart of what John is talking about here. So I want us to like jump back to Genesis chapter one for a moment and read what I believe is one of the most powerful scriptures in the entire Bible. I've preached on this a bit before, but it was like three and a half years ago, and none of y'all probably remember it. So we're gonna like do a little bit of a refresher on this. And then when we get to next year, I'm already thinking that we may really unpack this at a deeper level. We can't this year, because we've already got, we're doing 260 throughout the year. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. You may have almost thought this was kind of like a throwaway, kind of like, oh, that was nice of God to do, something nice that God said. But these are the first recorded words of God in scripture. Let me rephrase that. This is the first recorded instructions of God. He did say, let there be light. Let there be life. But I want you to listen to these words from Genesis 1, 27, 28. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Everybody say blessing. Blessing. 
Then God, and you can kind of picture this. Here is newborn humanity. And God just like wraps his arms around them and blesses them. And said four words. Be fruitful and multiply. Would you say those four words with me? Be fruitful and multiply. Here is what I have truly come to believe. That God's intent for humanity is that we would walk in his blessing. He blesses them And then he says these four words. I believe that these four words aren't this like little throwaway phrase. In fact, they're mentioned two more times in the book of Genesis. He says the same thing and it's the same pattern of blessing and this four word instruction. I believe it's instruction. He says it to Noah and his family and then he says it to Jacob as he's being renamed Israel. God's blessing, and then these four words, be fruitful and multiply. I believe that that theme is carried all throughout scripture, and I, all, I truly believe that this was in John the Baptist's heart and mind, as when people say, how do I live different? He's bringing them back to be fruitful and multiply. That concept The word bless, when it says that God blessed them, this word bless literally means prospering because of divine favor. Isn't that good? Like God's favor being so much upon you that you are prospering, that your life, you are flourishing in life, in your marriage, with your kids, in your work, in your schooling, like flourishing. It's how God intended us to live. But if we want to prosper in God's favor, fulfilling our God-given purpose, we need to follow his instructions for living in his blessing. Be fruitful and multiply. Listen, these words of instruction could sound like God's repeating himself. Be fruitful and multiply. Like as if those were the same thing stated twice. Listen, God is not stuttering here. There's no stutter going on. Be fruitful and multiply are actually two different things. Like qualitatively, they are different. Their meaning is different. Let's just talk about those two things for a moment because I believe they're really important. Being fruitful has to do with reaping. Being fruitful. Like my life is just like popping out with fruit. There's like this abundant overflow of fruitfulness on my life. That's how God wants us to live. In his abundant, fruitful favor. That's so important to like how we live in his blessing. Being fruitful. He he never meant for us to like be this little stick with no fruit on it. Like where we're just like trying to like cling to that one last little grape, right? No, he, he, 
just picture like, we, come on guys, we live in like vineyard country. Picture those like vines with those luscious, huge, bountiful, juicy grapes growing on them. That's a picture of how we are to live our lives in this abundant fruitfulness. It has to do with reaping, receiving. Fruitfulness is all about our flourishing. How you flourish and how I flourish. It has to do with our fruitfulness. John 15, 5 gets after this. And he's talking about vineyards and grapes. And listen, he says, Jesus says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce what? Much fruit. An abundance of fruit. That is what his intent is as we live connected to him. Abiding in him. That's what our life should look like. That's fruitfulness. But multiplication is different from fruitfulness. Being fruitful has to do with reaping, receiving. But multiplying has to do with sowing, giving. You, you can never multiply that which you don't give away. I mean, this picture, again, that, that vineyard, if, if, the, if the vine never cast off and gave away some of its seeds, there would be no multiplication. It, it would be fruitful, but no multiplying of that fruitfulness. Where do the other vineyards come from? Some of those fruitful, that fruitfulness being taken and given away to produce fruit elsewhere. It's the way multiplication works. Fruitfulness is about you flourishing. Multiplication has to do with helping others flourish. Fruitfulness is about you receiving God's blessing. Multiplication has to do about you causing other people to experience God's blessing. And that's how this like cycle of blessing works. Living in God's blessing. He blessed them and told them, be fruitful. But don't stop there. Don't be satisfied with the fruit that you have. You must learn to multiply it. God's desire is not only that we should be bursting with fruitfulness, but that we should take as God has generously given to us and learn to become generous to others so that they can flourish. We see this over and over and over in scripture. I'll just show you one other place and we could go way deeper than this, but it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse eight, that Paul is in the middle of talking about the same very theme. And he says this, he says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. Now that sounds just like super spiritual and like, ah, all grace, abounding. In. It's part of our flourishing. It's part of our being fruitful, you guys. He's able to do that. God wants us 
to walk in that all grace abundance. But why? Check it out. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. I mean like mega abundant, fruitful living. You will abound in every good work. Like out of the overflow of this fruitfulness, I am able to multiply it out and I'm able to do good and give. And if you continue reading, it's exactly what he says. It's exactly what his point is here. Be fruitful and multiply. As you sow, you will also reap. In fact, at the same measure that you sow, you will reap. Fruitfulness and multiplication are absolutely tied together. Give it away. I think one of the key principles of generosity is the understanding that if I have it, God's intent was that all of it wasn't for me. If I have it, like if it's in my bank account right now, I can take it to understand that all of it was not intended for me. See, what's in my bank account is fruitfulness, not multiplication. The only way I can multiply the effectiveness of what God has given me is by giving it away, sharing it, blessing others with it as I have been blessed. This all has to do with the blessing of God. Understanding it's not only about receiving, it's about receiving and giving being fruitful and multiplying. Let's go back to Luke. Do you remember what he said? Share generously. Don't steal. Don't don't take from the fruitfulness of others. That was how God was intending them to be fruitful. And be content with the fruitfulness that God has given you for today. Be content. Walk satisfied with what he's given. Pastor, does that mean being content? Does that mean that I shouldn't like strive to like work hard and, you know, like get ahead and bless my family? No, no, no. You, we, we do all those things. That's, that's in the natural. But this is supernatural. This is like there's a whole lot of people out there that are making a whole lot more money than you and me that are discontent. They're like, they, they don't feel satisfied with, with what they have. And they live in bigger homes and drive nicer cars, eat in fancier restaurants, buying bigger Christmas gifts for their, their folk. But there's no satisfaction, no contentment. See, contentment is a spiritual, spiritual thing that's part of the fruitfulness that we get to have and walk in as people who are transformed by Jesus, who have turned our hearts to him. We can be content. Be content with our homes. Saying, thank you, Jesus, for where I get to rest my head each night. And Lord, help me to be hospitable to those who may not have a home to rest their heads in tonight.
Lord, thank you for the food that is on the table. Let me be mindful, Lord, of those who may not have a meal right now and how I could be helpful. Lord, thank you for the church that you've given us here in Santa Maria. The lights are on pretty much and heating and air conditioning works as needed. Lord, what would you call me to do to sow seed into southern Mexico? Where there's a lot of churches, frankly, that don't have working AC. They don't need heating. But like, it's like, God, you've given me enough. I want to walk in that contentedness and then learn how to bless others with it. You've caused me to flourish, Lord. How can I cause other people to flourish with what you've given me? And I believe that those two things together is how we walk in the blessing of the Lord. But sin jacks all of that up. That's what Luke, or that's what, that, that's what uh, Luke is sharing here, is John's story that John was getting after. Sin has messed all this up. That's why there's this like call to repentance. Because they were living in ways that were counter to this. Why was he telling them to share generously? Because they were hoarding, greedy, clinging people who were stealing from others every chance they could. Well, they're not looking. I'm taking some of their fruit and bringing it into mine. Because they weren't living in the contented satisfaction of what God had generously given them. So he was calling them to repentance. But every illustration points back to be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful. If you have two shirts, good day. Who can you give one to that needs one? Right? Sin creates angry, ungrateful people who grasp tightly to the little they have so far from God's blessing. And we look around the world and we see the mess that that sin has created, the greed, the hunger for more, the dissatisfaction, the ungratefulness. So we do what John called those people to do. Gotta repent. God, I want my inner life to be reflected in my outer life. I want the inner work of repentance and relationship with you to be shown by the fruit that I am bearing. God, help me to live generously. And friends, I'm not talking about just your money. There's not gonna be some special offering at the end of the service trying to like wring out every penny from your wallets. No, listen, listen to God and do what he tells you to do. Now, you should be generous and you should be consistently generous. And some of that generosity needs to be sown into whatever church God calls you to be part of. If you're part of this church and you're not given, then I believe you're out of alignment with God's call and his blessing for your story. Get a little of that John the Baptist like <laughs> fire in me. But I'm telling you, God's providing the needs that we have here. 
But Matt, what could we do as a church in our neighborhood, in our community? If all of a sudden there was this like incredible generosity being poured out by God's people. Like, you know what? I have more than I need here. Or I've got this thing that, man, what if we were to like transform that into something that could be used for God's kingdom, right? It's like all of us, not like one person writing the million dollar check. It's like all of us saying, God, what could we do together? As we just share in our generosity together to see your work advanced and your will to be done, not just in Santa Maria, but all around the world. What do we need to repent from? that we might be able to fully walk in the blessing of God, flourishing, prospering because of his design favor. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that your first instruction to us as humanity had to do with how we could walk in your blessing. Lord, your desire is for your people to be blessed, for all of humanity to be blessed. But so many of us have been far from that blessing. Lord, we read from your word today that you are able to make all grace abound to us. Lord, and so much of that grace is found in your son, Jesus coming to earth to live a perfect life and then to sacrifice himself willingly that we might receive forgiveness for our sin. Lord, when we repent of our brokenness, we don't do it lightly, but we do it in the knowledge, Lord, that you went to the cross to make a way Lord, that when we turn to you, we have full and unconditional forgiveness. It's part of that abundant grace that you have for us to walk in, to live in. It's part of that flourishing, Lord Jesus, that you called us to. Lord, the only reason that we can be generous, Lord, is because you have been so generous with us. I, I don't, probably haven't met everybody that's here today. I don't know all of your spiritual stories. But my assumption always is, when I come to these moments, that God drew someone here today that really needs to respond to Jesus. That really needs to say, God, I want your grace on my life. God, I need your forgiveness. I need your life. God, would you give that to me? And his answer is yes. If God drew you here, maybe it was through the invitation of a friend or maybe it was the New Year's resolution or you just looked us up online and said, well, that looks as good as a church as anybody, you know, any others that I know of, I'll just show up there today. I believe that God was involved in that drawing of you to this very space, to this very moment. That you would have a transforming encounter with the living God. He is here. And he loves you. And his intent is for your blessing. So would you repent and turn to him? 
It, does, it sounds maybe a little scary, but repentance is simple. It's acknowledging, I have messed up in my life. I've done things, thought things, said things that would never have met God's approval. And I bring that to him, saying, God, I need your forgiveness for where I've walked in brokenness. I surrender it to you. And then you receive his forgiveness and his blessing in exchange. It's the best exchange you can ever make in your life. Your brokenness for his wholeness. Your death for his life. And if that's you today, if you just want to say, Tim, I would love, love to make that exchange right now. Jesus is waiting. I'd love to just agree with you and say, yeah, this is your moment. If that's you, just stick your hand up and like open your eyes for just a second so we can like connect eyes and say, yes, yes, yes. Today, anybody else? Yeah, man. <laughs> he loves you. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That exchange, yes, ladies, yes. From death to life, from barrenness to fruitfulness. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Can I have our ministry team come up? And, and before you go today, there may be something going on in your story that you just want to agree with someone. Like, man, there's a place I need God's fruitfulness and his grace to show up. Maybe it's an area of your life. Maybe you're like standing in for someone else who you really care about and they're going through a real challenging season of brokenness. Man, this team up here would love to just pray with you, stand with you, contend with you for God's blessing and his best. Friends, don't forget 260 because people who are growing in Jesus are growing in his word. Tomorrow, Monday morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6. I really, Luke, sorry, did I say Matt? I said the wrong book of the Bible. Thank you for catching me. We're in Luke. We're in Luke chapter 6 tomorrow morning. I really believe that the journal will help you to just go a little deeper to capture some of the things that you're reading and seeing and what the impact that's making in your story. So we've got those available um, right in the, in the lobby on your way out. Get one of those. If you need a Bible and you don't have one, please come and see me or one of our other leaders. We've got a Bible in English or Spanish that we'd like to give to you for free, just our gift to help like, promote God's work in your life. So you could, especially you can join with us. And then six o'clock Wednesday night, we're gonna be here for prayer for one hour. Come and join with us. 21 days, prayer, fasting starts tomorrow. We'll have some resources for that online. But looking forward to what God's gonna be doing through the rest of this month and this year together. Go in peace. You are loved.